everyone. Welcome to the show. It's another great weekend and it's your girl, Millie Mills, your host. Welcome to Bring It in the House. This is a show that spotlights musicians, entertainers, artists, and leaders. And of course, we have someone in the house. He's he's all of that and more. <laughs> NBA Hall of Famer. I, I got a list of things we're going to go through, but uh, let's, let's give a warm welcome for coach, author, speaker, entrepreneur, Sydney Moncrief. Yay! <laughs> How are we doing today? Great to be on the um, show. Thank you. It's so great to see you. And I mean, I always was a fan from a distance. I was like, because I'm from Arkansas. So, you know, when I saw you playing for the Razorbacks, I'm like, wow, that's our homie doing it big, you know. I so, know. Arkansas, where are you? you told I'm me. from Marvel, Marvel, yeah. Arkansas. Yeah, Marvel, mm -hmm. Helena. Yeah, that's by Helena West Helena. You're you're so right. Now I just want to confirm because I never knew. Were you from Monticello or Conway? I'm from Little Rock. Little, Little Rock. Rock originally. Okay, so neither one of them. So we just those were rumors. <laughs> okay. So Marvin Depp, a teammate of mine at U of A, he's from Conway. Okay. All uh, right. Awesome. awesome. Mixed up. People get us mixed up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I attended my first year of college was at UALR, University of Arkansas, Little Rock. Yeah. So I love Euler because I coached there one year. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah. I read that you um you were a head coach for one season. Coaching when I was in high school and also in college, I would play pickup games at Euler. It's near dear to my heart. Oh, yes. And there was a lot, a lot of history there. And so let's kind of go back a little bit. So I'm sure you started playing basketball in, in like as early as junior high. That is very good. As, er as early as junior high. Nowadays, young people are playing basketball in elementary school. Elementary. But I organized basketball until the seventh grade. Before that, I played organized football sixth grade. And then I started the journey in basketball at Dunbar Junior High School in Little Rock, Arkansas. Amazing. Wow. Did you kind of know then that you were going to go that far with basketball at that young age? I knew then that I was not a very good player. That's one thing I did <laughs> because I, uh, I struggled. I, I yeah. tell the story. I was, if there were 15, if there were 15 players, I was number 14 on the team as seventh grader. I just kept practicing and getting better. And before you knew it, I went from being the worst second worst player on the team to by eighth grade I was maybe middle of the pack and then by ninth grade I was one of the top five players and just kept working and kept working and playing and loving the game of basketball by the time I was a senior in high school I was the best player in the state one of the better players in the country it was certainly a process for me nothing happened easy and it was it was a grind but it was a very fun ride and trying to get better Awesome. What position did you play, Coach Moncrief, in high school? In high school, I was what we call a swing man, which would be a forward now. I was more inside than outside, which uh -huh. helped to develop my post game and my rebounding and my ability to cut and get to the basket quickly. Coach Oliver Elders was my high school coach, and he put me in the post on the baseline and Everybody likes to shoot the basketball outside, but he said, That's, this is where you need to play. I'm glad he did because it really helped my game in college and also in the NBA. 
Right. And did you get that full ride scholarship from sports or because you're so great? You're so good. Oh, yeah. I played at the University of Arkansas, Razorback, for four years. Four years. Yes, from phenomenal teams there and went to the final four one year in 1978. Sounds like so long ago. And then 1979, we went to the, the Elite Eight and lost to Indiana State. A guy named Larry Bird beat us to go to the Final Four, and he played against Magic Johnson. Of course, an epic Final Four tournament that most people, older people, remember. Yeah, yeah. And so when you were the NBA draft in 79, you were the, you were round one, fifth pick. Did I get that right? You got that right, yes. Okay, all right. There were five, obviously five teams that had a shot at picking me. The Lakers had the first pick. I think the New York Knicks had the third pick. Chicago Bulls, fourth pick. Detroit had the, I mean, third pick. Detroit had the fourth pick, and the Milwaukee Bucks had the fifth pick. Actually, Detroit had the fifth pick, Milwaukee had the fourth pick, and they switched it around, and uh, the Bucks drafted me fifth pick after most teams did not feel I would play more than maybe four years because I had really bad knees. Teams did not want to take a chance on me, which is good. I'm glad I went to Milwaukee. They bypassed me in the draft. Of course, I would not take Sidney Moncrief over Magic Johnson, who wrestled the Lakers at number one. <laughs> and then everything else fell in place for me where I was able to get drafted by Milwaukee. I love your motivation. I love how your story builds, you know, and, and, and so many people need to hear that, Sydney, because a lot of times we just feel like if we're not good right away, it will, it's no sense in trying. And I love how you, you you had that discipline, that that motivation and all of that working together. That's amazing. Really, to it was, really, it was not only amazing, it was pure luck because I just, and I said this when I do my keynote speech for my workshops, that our goal, well, I have a shirt on that says grit somewhere, grit, right? Mm -hmm. the and the G is mm -hmm. growth. And we like to tell people in business or students, our goal is to focus on getting better every day. That's the goal. And a lot of times people have these long-term goals, mm -hmm. but yet in between, there's a lot of work that goes into accomplishing those goals and the way you can stay focused is just every day do something to get better in some part of your life and that's what i did in basketball i didn't realize that when i was younger that it would come out like it passed and people sometimes ask me did you have goals to be a hall of, a hall of famer or, or an all-star did you have goals to be an all pro or whatever they would ask me questions i said no i was just out there getting better and playing and being committed to the game of basketball when you do that in any part of your life, you're going to automatically improve where you are and get better. And get better, yes. So when you played at um, at Fayetteville for the Razorbacks, um, what positions did you play there while you were playing for Arkansas Razorbacks? I was also a swing man, played on the baseline, played a forward. I was 6'4". 6'4". Which is not very large for a player playing inside. Most players would say six, nine, seven, seven footers. Me mm -hmm. with my instincts and my ability to do things around the basket because I was playing against much taller basketball players. When I got to the NBA, uh, Don Nelson utilized my inside strength and I slowly developed, as we said, get better, get better, get better. I slowly yeah. developed my outside game 
by just working on it, being committed to getting better every day on my shooting. And I became more of a transitional player that could play inside and also I could play outside, which is very unique for a guy 6'4". Yes, it is. I heard you say something about, you know, you, you had a nickname, right, when you played at, at uh, for uh, University of Arkansas Fayetteville. Was it, did they call you Squid? Or Squid City? I have so many nicknames, really. <laughs> my first nickname goes back to my neighborhood, South Aurora Rock, uh -huh. which is uh, Slim. Back then, I was Slim. So yeah. guys in the neighborhood said, Slim, hey, Slim, what's going on, Slim? And I, in high school, my East End friends, they started calling me Sydney Bill, Sydney Dollar Bill. I don't know where that came from. I didn't have a penny to my name. <laughs> Maybe they saw something I didn't see, so it was Sydney Bill. Then when I got to Arkansas, it was Super Sid or Sid the Squid. Yeah. Well, to, to, you, to them, Sydney, you probably look like money, you know, um, the other side looking in. It's like, wow, that guy's doing it. Yeah, I think that's why I was successful. I, I wasn't the person outside looking in. I was the yeah. person by putting in the work. And, and sometimes when you have people outside looking in, if you buy into that too much, or if you become that person that start to put yourself on pedestal and say, oh, I'm all of this, mm -hmm. you don't need room occasionally to get better. And I think that's why I got better. I just never bought into all the hype about the type yes. of player I was. Yes. Amazing. And I found one of your YouTube video clips that showcases a lot of your talents and skills. Sydney, congratulations to you because, I mean, it's just such an honor to be talking to you. We, I'm talking about an NBA All-Star. Uh, let's look at the record here. All a, uh, NBA team, and then you got NBA All-Defensive team, NBA Defensive Player of the Year. These are just some of your awards. I, when I was you know, doing my research, I was like, this man, and then you're so humble, you know, you're very humble with it, you're, and that's a beautiful thing. So, we just want to uh, take a look at one, of, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the videos that I saw, and it's Sydney, the NBA legend. I love this. Sydney Moncrief was first team All NBA, two time Defensive Player of the Year, and a five time All Star. A stellar career. Well, I feel more motivation than pressure. Uh, I feel motivated now to go out. And, and to perform because uh, I know that people expect me to perform. So uh, it's not a thing where I feel pressure into uh, trying to force shots to score so many points a ball game or to, to hold this guy to uh, 10 or 12 points. I feel motivated. I feel that I have to go out and compete and just play up to the best of my abilities. And I found out throughout the years, if you do uh, the best you possibly can as statistics and uh, your defensive performance, those type of things would probably take care of themselves. If Michael Jordan uh, was quoted as saying, playing against Sidney Moncrief, he's going to hound you everywhere all around the court. And that offense and defense. Got the ball caught on his hip there. Jordan will fire. Nope. Rebound to Cummings. To Hodges. Here come the Bucks. Lister's on the wing. Hodges kicks it over. Moncrief, he'll take a three-pointer. Don't sweat the technique. Let's trace the hits, check the file, let's see who bit the dot, check the style.
now it'll take a while. Hey, <laughs> that was great. That was awesome there. I was, Where did the I'm like, from? I don't know what's going on with that. Huh? I'm sorry. That's come from. I don't know what was going on with that. What was going on? Where did it come from? <laughs> I went to YouTube. I went to your YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I've seen that video. Very uh, inspirational because it is. I think what it says most is effort and hustle. And just being a professional, those things were just weaved all through the video. As I made plays, it was about putting that, what we call discretionary effort into it. It's not effort, it's that little extra effort. So it's always nice to see that because right. it requires me just to continue in a different field, do the same thing. And the same thing. I know you were so great in, in basketball and, you know, right there in your element. What did, what did you major in? while you were attending college? Education, coaches from my high school coach, Coach Oliver Elders, Johnny Greenwood, junior high school coach, Charles Ripley, high school coach, Eddie Sutton, Pat Foster. I could just keep naming coaches that had an impact on me. So when I went to college, I didn't really think I would be an NBA player. It didn't cross my mind very much. I watched NBA basketball. I, I don't think I put myself on the court when I was watching it, which was kind of unusual. It was just like, watching it and just getting better. But I wanted to be a coach, high school basketball coach. I thought that's what I would go into once I graduated from high school. I mean, from college, I'm sorry. But it didn't happen that way. Instead, you went Until to the NBA. Right. Mm -hmm. And you, you played, okay, you played for Atlanta Hawks for, for nine years? Well, I played for the Milwaukee Bucks for nine years. Bucks first, okay. I'm sorry, Milwaukee for nine or ten, and then I played ten. Five. For one. Yeah. Wow. That's a long career. And you say you had bad knees? <laughs> I still have bad knees. <laughs> yes, I, I had knees, bad knees coming out of college. Yeah. Never quite uh, was able to. It was a knee condition. I just, I was able to exercise. You're talking about the discipline of taking care of your body. Mm hmm. Because I had to ice after every practice. I had to ice my knees after every game. And I didn't miss, out of 11 years, I didn't miss doing that very much. I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. And then I had to do special exercise for my quad muscles in my left and right knee on a consistent basis just to stay strong enough at that level. We have some viewers who are chiming in. Robert Claiborne Jr. in Arkansas. He says, I remember those NCAA games because of Sydney. I became one of the fans of the Razorbacks because of you. He said he became a fan of the Arkansas Razorbacks. And somebody said, Super Sid. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Robert also says he remembers uh, you know, how you always played hard, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Love his game. Total package. So, Oh, that's a great compliment. I was thinking today, I think tenacity, the T and the T and grit is a tenacity. That's mm -hmm. what T is tenacity. And I was thinking back today about when I was in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade when mm -hmm. I was playing basketball, I was playing football. And I know playing football helped me play harder and be more aggressive than most players. 
as you know, when you play football in the neighborhood, it's, you don't have pads on, you're playing tackle, and you're going at it pretty hard. And I did that quite a bit growing up in elementary school, and it's, it carried over uh, with my toughness in, in high school and also in the NBA. Amazing. I'm still looking here at some of these comments here. You got them pouring in a lot of love. Wow. <laughs> so, yes. So on top of, okay, we know about your basketball success, but just in April, you became or you received your honorary doctoral degree from Baptist College in April of this year, Baptist College in Little Rock. So I want to say congratulations because that's that's a great achievement. It so, is. It is. It really is. And my cousin put it in perspective because I felt guilty about being called doctor. He said, well, don't be. He said, because honorary degrees means you've done the work and gotten the doctorate. When you have a, just a doctorate, that means you get your doctorate degree, then you have to do the work. So uh, it's good that people recognize the contribution that you make in any, any part of our society. Baptist is a tremendous college, and we're actually, I'm doing a speech for them on, for their athletes on Sunday, coming up Sunday, and then they're going to have some of their students at my birthday, what we call Shadow the CEO event on uh, see, September 23rd. That's 23rd. My my birthday week, yes. Mm -hmm. That's on a Friday. So I'm just, I made a note of that. Okay, good deal. Also, you know, and outside of that, you are a published author. You got several books out there on the market. I looked them up on Amazon. Um, My Journey to the NBA, Step Up Your Game. And of course, the one you just talk about the most, The Grit. Um, Factor in Kindness, just to name a few. And I, and I know there's more. I saw a few more books. I didn't get to name them all. Yeah, we have. We have. I have. We, whoever. I have uh, 11 books I've done, and they're just real simple books. I like to put my thoughts on paper, and I write my books to help people. It, certainly, you don't want to lose money on books, but I don't write my books to for profit than to make sure I have them in my workshops. And also, mm-hmm. occasionally you'll see someone or, you know, someone is in need of information. Say, hey, take one of, my, one of my books. But my latest book, as you said, is called, uh, see, this is called the. Uh, yeah, right there. The Grit. And before that, these both of these books have written in the last two years. <laughs> this is uh, the leadership book. I can't really get my, my how to mm-hmm. phrase that. Right leader, there. Right. Yeah, right there. That I've heard with a friend in, in Dallas, Texas, my attorney friend, Stratton Horace. And then the book before that book is called The Grit Factor. All these are grit factors. The grit factor in embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion, because I have a passion for making sure that the world is a better place through diversity, equity, and making sure that we include people. So those are some of the projects that we've done. I have Passport to Manhood. I have a reinvent you book. I have a passport to becoming a valuable team player. Uh, I have a passport to something else I can't remember right now, but it's 10 to 11 books that I've written. And we'll write more, God's willing, as we say. How, how do you juggle it all? I mean, you're a family man, you have children, right? So My kids are in their 30s, so they're good. <laughs> you know, they're 20 <laughs> and 30s. Uh, you just have to be disciplined. And then you have to know what you're able to do. I, my mind is not geared to write really thick books because my attention span is very, very short. And I have a, and so I know the information I have, I can put it down on paper if I need to make it entertaining, 
concise and get a certain twist to it. When I get in the groove and say, okay, I'm going to write this book about just say kindness. Then I just start writing the outline and I normally take a trip, not a long trip because I can, I have so much information in my head from learning, not because I'm smart, but, but I'm a lifelong learner that I can just go somewhere and maybe take four or five days and get the main points to the book. And I just put the rest of the meat on it and I self publish, mm -hmm. pay my money, give it to my publisher and get it printed. Then we rock and roll from there. Okay, so you get you're an author, and but on top of all of that, we talked about you are a speaker. You go, you know, you go to events, you speak, and I noted here just last year you spoke for uh, at the uh, Pothamus Hall of Fame enshrinement for your former coach Eddie Sutton last year, and that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was great to be there for Coach Sutton, and I was a presenter, but I didn't speak. When you're a presenter, you just go and you're just there to support that Hall of Fame person and they get to pick two or three athletes that can be their presenter. I was just there last week for Dale Harris who coached me with the Milwaukee Bucks, a good friend of mine. I coached with him with the, with the Dallas Mavericks. And so I, I like to do keynotes, but I really like workshops better because mm -hmm. workshops allow me to be more intimate with the participants and what mm -hmm. I'm whereas keynotes, you gotta get up there and give them some inspiration and then you leave. Typically, our workshops are half days or full days, or occasionally multi days. So, presenting to me is something I love to do. I went from coaching people, I mean, coaching athletes, to coaching, to people. coaching people. I wanted to be a coach in high school. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a life coach, right? A life coach. <laughs> that is great. That's great. And you guys reside in the Dallas, Texas area, correct? We reside in Little Rock, Arkansas, in Dallas. In Dallas, okay. Because yeah. I, I, I saw some, you know, some things happening in Dallas and some things happening in Little Rock. So most yeah. of our most of our activity is in Arkansas. In Arkansas, yeah, we don't do a lot in Dallas. But we try. We're trying to do more. But when you're a small organization and you're semi busy, we're not. We still have inventory we can fill. But when you're really busy, it's, it's very hard to market do workshops, write books, do everything you have to do and grow two different markets. We're still trying to figure out how to make that happen. Yes. yes. And you're an advocate for, um, did I see, that was pictures that I saw online. You're an advocate for the in, Individual Advocacy Group Golf Association? Who's that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, not, I don't know. It may have been some um, event you were there. Oh, just so I was event in Chicago last week. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. We were. I was. We were in Chicago last week, and this was a wow. What a what a strong organization. And they uh, they deal with uh, kids that have impairment, mental impairment, and they take them and 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 also trauma, and they provide housing for them, and they also assist them in transitioning from being a youth to an adult. In a, a number of different ways, over six to seven hundred different employees, and they had their golfing fundraiser. And a friend of mine wanted to know if I could come up and and just uh, play, be in the tournament, and say a couple words. I was happy to do it. But what a! It's so many good organizations out there doing doing the amazing work. That's what's that's what we need to understand. We're in a society that's so cruel. Everything is so aggressive. Everything is so in your face. 
you watch a commercial, you can't, you watch a TV show, it's all this stuff going on. And, and we, we need to find a way to show kindness and acts of kindness on a bigger stage than what we do. People are doing very good things. I was yes. in Florida, I saw someone uh, uh, doing something, an act of kindness. You see acts of kindness all the time, right? But you don't, yes. you don't, we don't see it on TV much. We don't see it on streaming services much because people want confusion, chaos. They want to see trauma on TV. They want to know they that they it's all see out there, and that's okay. That's okay. But what we're doing is we're creating a, a group of young people and adults that just think it's okay to be unkind and mean, and and that's not good. Where does that come from? I see. I don't know. Maybe it's been that way, but to me, it seems like now it's just. I don't know if it's from the internet because we've been given this platform where we can kind of say what we want. I don't know. It just seemed like more than ever now we're just so cruel to one another. I think it's a platform. I think it's always been there. There's always been cruel, mean, (laughs) unfriendly people in this world, but we never had the opportunity to videotape them and show them. And now with the platform that's out there, you see it a lot more. And what our goal is with uh, my Montreal Game Changer is to take that platform and expand it so we can see people doing good things more, including myself. Mm-hmm. So I started writing this book. The, the biggest benefit from writing this book, sorry, yeah, for writing this book was the fact that I started being more mindful of my ability to be kind. Yeah. We just take that for granted. I was walking last Sunday at uh, Two Rivers Park, great place to walk, outstanding place. And I'm an introvert by nature. I'm nice to people, but I like to be by myself. So I'm walking and I'm walking by people and I'm just walking by people, all these different ethnicities were out in Little Rock and they're walking. And then I said to myself, why aren't you speaking to anyone? Oh, really? You're a kindest person and you're just walking by people. And since they're not showing eye contact to you, you're just keep you just ignoring them, just walking, right? So I started speaking to people and it was it was it was very uh telling because you could tell people wanted someone to speak to them. They didn't want to speak to you, but if you spoke to them, they would they would return the favor. Yeah. And that, that was just a study in human nature. Uh, and I started just saying, Hey, good morning, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. And when I would do that, it would it would catch people off guard. They say, "Oh, hey, how are you doing?" Oh, good morning. So, so it, we call that a, a parallel principle to where once you start doing something, other people is going to return the the favor. Yeah. But writing that book helped me to be more conscious about smiling and being kinder or acts of kindness to other people. Well, that's really good. You know, growing up. Um... I'm going to share this real quick. I used to smile too much. And sometimes I still do. And I still speak to everyone because I came from a small town. So everybody say, hi, 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 hello. And when I left a small town, I was still doing that. And I noticed no one really, they really speak to each other, you know, in larger cities like that. So They don't. They don't. But, but you speaking and smiling, it could be just one person that that's what they needed for that day. It could be it could be seven people that don't really care, but just think if you have that impact on that one person, 
that's very, I like the word powerful. I like to use that word. That's very impactful and it's very powerful. And I love people like you, Millie, that, that has that vibrant spirit and personality. And I have to force myself to do it because people tell you my, typically my, my uh, uh, facial expressions like this. So <laughs> <laughs> it's free. And when I, and we use the word, the I and grit is intentionality. So I have to be more intentional when I'm out in the public and telling myself, okay, smile, speak to people. When someone is about to get on my last nerve and I'm about to snap on them, don't snap. <laughs> you know, be, use your kindness mentality to not totally snap off on people. I have to be more intentional about that. Otherwise, it would be very difficult for me. Oh, man, time is just about up. But before you go, I want to tell people, you know, remind them about if they want to donate to your nonprofit. Of course, they would just text, send a text to the the uh, 241 correct? Yes, and I want to real quick, I know time is running out. Next week, September 21st is my birthday. In conjunction mm-hmm. with my birthday, the city of Little Rock has named it Kindness in Action Week. And we're trying to raise money for our nonprofit to do our work with the young people and workplace readiness and entrepreneurship. So that was out. And I want you to share that information to it with a friend, the text information and see if we can, we have to raise $85,000 in one week. Okay. We got you covered. That's not too bad. We got you covered on that, Sydney. <laughs> we have really 15, 25, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Just matter. Text Sir Sid. Yes, I see Lisa and Will Coleman and some of the others that were watching. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate your support. Sydney, well, I, I shouldn't even say it. Coach Moncrief, <laughs> it's been an honor. We really enjoyed you. Time just went so fast. Before you go, would you like to give some quick shout outs or any last uh, words of encouragement? Uh, the last word I, I will say is just let's keep, let's keep the kindness going with each other, one another. Uh, that's very, very important uh, because that person you impact, you're very intentional about impacting people with acts of kindness. That's my last word. And appreciate you having me on your show. You're very welcome. And thank you so, so much for joining us at Bring It In The House. See you next time.